Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What's up, everybody? Welcome into an All-22 podcast. you got Chris and Ray. And as promised, we are bringing back the evaluation of these NFL draft prospects. But Ray, first, before we jump into that, we had a pretty good performance this week from a guy named Jake Browning for the Cincinnati Bengals. What did you think about that? I always knew he had it in him. I always knew Jake Browning was just a stud in the making and, you know, he just needed a shot. That's all. I, I, I was a hundred percent confident in everything he did uh, from the moment he stepped on the field. Are you ready for his like Nick Foles <laughs> taking this team to the Super Bowl? And we're going to look back and think that Joe Burrow is Carson Wentz. That would be, that'd be hilarious. And I have a lot of Bengals fans who listen to this. It'd be great for them. It, it really would. Cause I would hate to see such a strong roster go to waste. Um, because I mean, they're strong, both sides of the ball. They have a lot of playmakers, great players. Um, yeah. would love to see them. You know, if, if Jake Browning is actually something, it would actually be great to see them still make a run in the, what almost everyone considers the tougher half of the, of the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in all seriousness, I was very pleasantly surprised. And it's, it's kind of funny when you look back, they game planned to try to kind of take some big throws out of his hands. Right. And uh, I mean, you know, having wide receivers throw like four passes or whatever the heck it was. And every time they took it out of his hands and put the onus elsewhere on the offense to have success, that's when they struggled. And when they made, you know, big mistakes, it's when they just let Jake Browning play football within the offense that they looked, they, they looked very good. So um, yeah, maybe just don't have such training wheels on him, you know, moving forward and just, just let it rip. I mean, you're, you're going for a Super Bowl. You just, just let it rip. Did you know his middle name was Favre? Jake Favre really? Browning? No, but that'd be cool because oh. that dude can game. You're right. But okay, let's jump into it. Last uh, last week, we talked about some GM stuff, but the week before we reviewed Caleb William and broke down his uh, game film and talked about what we thought about him, what we liked, what we didn't. And we're going to do that again today. But if you missed that episode, head to YouTube, head to Apple, Spotify, wherever you watch or listen, and uh, check that episode out. People seem to like it. So, um, you know, we're doing something right there. Today, I want to jump, talk about Drake May, who is seen as the number two, but a lot of people are kind of saying that maybe he's competing with Caleb Williams for the number one and that there might be NFL teams that think he is the number one. So, Ray, I first, again, I want to follow the structure we did last time. Tell me what you thought about the film when you first turned it on. He's he's a great player. Um, and just just from watching, just, okay, how, how is he playing football, right? Um, Right off the bat, he can let it rip. He's decisive. He's accurate. He throws with good zip. And when he's on the move, he throws with great velocity and accuracy, particularly to his throwing side uh, to the right. But you have an athletic, good runner who has good pre and post snap recognition, very good deep ball placement. And again, is decisive, accurate, and can let it rip. So um, the film, the film is fun to watch and it does show a very, good quarterback and a very adept just football player as a whole who is totally comfortable in many different situations that are just placed on a quarterback pre and post snap. Okay. All right. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to give a slightly different opinion. I was like, okay. Scouring YouTube for 
Drake May, right? Trying to find highlights, going through different videos. And I'll tell you, like, there was a there was a video of all of his top passes from this past year. It's like 15 minutes long. I was two minutes in, and I don't think there was a single throw that really made me say, wow. Like, wow, that was special, right? Like it was it was all good. Like you said, really good quarterback, you know, good throwing ability, all the good things that you want. Nothing wowed me. So I was a little surprised by that. And I will say, going into this exercise, he is from what I was hearing from the outside, a quarterback that I would like, right? Like he has the the build. He's kind of, uh, you know, pocket passer, but, you know, a little bit of running ability, strong arm, plays through structure. And I watched it and I was, I didn't see it as much as I thought I would. Like, I will say he's not a Chris Lombardi quarterback. Like he's good. He's a really good quarterback. I don't think I ended up at a place where I'm like, wow, that's a guy that like, I really like, and there, and there's only been a few of those in the last few years, right? Like CJ Stroud was that for me last year where I turned on his tape, you know, people were n- not that high on him. And I was like, wow, this is a really good quarterback. I like, he's one of my guys. And there's been a few of those Burrow being another one. Right. And that's some of them are obvious, but um, like, I liked a few things, right. So just like high level, right. He looked really good in rhythm. He looked like he played really well in structure. Um, he did have a lot of time to throw on most plays that I saw, right? Like where he's making good plays, he has a lot of time to throw the football. Um, I saw, I don't know if you noticed this, when you go through like the highlights again, you see like these like 50 yard passes that he throws and that's why they're putting them on highlight tapes. But a lot of them were underthrown where the receiver has to slow down to catch the ball, make a nice play. And you're saying to yourself like in all 22, it's probably a negatively or average graded throw. Like it's not a big time throw. It's it's okay. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And actually that part of his game reminded me a little bit of Tua. He has a way stronger arm, but Tua, you see like Tyree Kill break down the field for these deep passes and he always has to stop to catch it, right? Or he slows down and comes back and catches it. I saw a lot of that. I know the feeling, Tyreek. <laughs> but then five, five plays later, I'll see him hit a guy further downfield perfectly in stride, right? So a little bit of inconsistency there. And then three and a half minutes into this one video, I saw like a while. I finally saw my first play that I was like, wow, it was pretty cool. And it was the play where he kind of scrambles out. He's getting pressure to his, in his face, scrambles out left. And he has to throw the ball left-handed like 15 yards into the end zone for a touchdown. And like, you see him like going like, that was my left hand. That was pretty cool. But there isn't a lot of that on his yeah, tape. There isn't totally a lot of translates. That totally translates. <laughs> it doesn't. With it your doesn't. Opposite hand. Yeah. But we just watched Caleb Williams where every <laughs> other play you're going, damn, that was special. Right. And I'm watching Drake May, and there wasn't a ton of that. And that's, I think that's the first thing that jumped out to me when I watched the film. Yeah, we started from the very top, <laughs> um, yeah. or at least what many people consider to be the very top of, of the heap there with with Caleb Williams. And so I, I also, if we're, if we're going to go just right into it, you kind of came in spitting hot there. Um, did. I, I, I did notice a lot of, not a lot, but several underthrown deep passes as well. And um in kind of again scouring and you know i found a couple all 22 films sort of off the back of a truck um but a lot of that some people that i've seen kind of uh attributed that to may either holding on to the ball too long and not seeing something right away where i thought it was actually kind of the opposite i thought sometimes his mind played faster than his feet and or rather his feet played faster than his mind because he has a bit of a propensity I've noticed um, to when his first read or first two reads aren't there, right. Depending on whether he's, he's going half field or, or as opposed to deep to short or something, when he resets, he will 
just dart to the right. Even if the pocket is still relatively okay, he will try to escape to his throwing side. And it's not, it's not a, it's almost not a panic per se, because he seems totally under control. His eyes are downfield. He's not frantic, but he sometimes invites some pressure that way. And one throw in particular, I believe it was against Minnesota. It was like a 60 yard pass down to the two yard line. It was a busted coverage. His first read was a go route one-on-one on the sideline to his left. And he, he kind of waited for that to develop. It wasn't there. And then when it came time for him to now sort of recalibrate and, and, and progress further, he darted to the right almost instinctively and then realized, Oh, look at this wide open guy downfield. I have time here. And then I'm going to make the throw. Whereas if he was a bit more sort of composed or in control in the pocket there and simply just went from one to two to three, he could have stood in there, hit that deep post earlier, would have been in stride because he wouldn't have been at that point now rushing to just get the ball off and had the, you know, hit the receiver in stride for a touchdown. Ultimately it didn't matter, right? I mean, it was down to the two yard line. It was still a big play because it was such a busted coverage, but it's not necessarily that he progressed slowly. It's that he has sometimes this this sort of his internal clock is almost like a tenth of a second too quick, which is normally it's the opposite. It's the inverse when you're talking about quarterbacks going into the league. They need to speed up their clock. He needs to slow it down just a tad. And I think a lot of that was some of what I saw attributed to when there were deep throws downfield that weren't as as great as they could have been or placed as well as they could have been is because he was speeding things up just a bit. And that's why I noticed too, especially when he was throwing on the run and he had some of his best throws when he was rolling out to the sideline and then throwing, you know, 25, 30 yards downfield, he wasn't rushing. That was just sort of part of his game. And he was, he was just totally comfortable there. And so um, I think it's just a matter of just being comfortable and, and, and not, I know I harp on like, oh, panicky quarterbacks in the pocket and he's not that. It's just, he's, he's just a tick too quick. And if he just reels that in slightly, I think you're going to see that deep ball accuracy be a bit more consistent. So I did go right forward, but it was like my first impression. What you just yeah. talked about was not my first impression, but I had the same notes. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to roll with it. Right. So yeah. I saw a lot of that, like first read in rhythm throws looked great, but then it's when he's when that's not open, what does he do? And a lot of times he does just kind of choose to take off and run. And like, I was thinking like, do I knock him on that? Do I not? Like, I want to see him go through his progression more, but a lot of the times he did run, it worked out really well for him. Like he'd be 15 yards downfield. He'd make a good play out of it. So like, it's not necessarily a negative thing because maybe he's, like you said, he's processing really quick and he sees that there's an opportunity and he just takes it. But when I saw him actually sit and go through his progression, he did it well. Like he's capable mm-hmm. of doing it. He just didn't do it enough for for my liking, right? Like I don't want to see you go first read run because that's very college. Like doesn't work as well in the NFL. And, you know, you talked about it a little bit too. Just like you, you said he's a good runner. I think he's a good college runner. I don't think he's a good NFL runner. Like I think that he... It's interesting, like his pocket presence, his feet, he's solid, he's rhythmic on design, design plays, but like his drop back seemed to me like a little bit almost like robotic. Like it's almost like he's, he's not like heavy footed, but it's like, it's just not smooth. It's not athletic, 
Like it's, he is an athlete obviously, but like Mm -hmm. it didn't come off as like this super athletic guy. Like it looked a little robotic to me. I think he needs to play a little lighter on his feet. um, Just a little bit with like a little bit more swag. Like, I don't know if he has that to his game, Um, but, but it was better than expected in terms of like kind of what he brings to the table. Like thinking that that's a value add of his game is this like, okay, take off and run. And he's really good at noticing when he should do it. It's probably a positive thing, but I'd like to see him play a little looser, kind of to your point, a little more relaxed. I think that would be beneficial to him, but then just kind of taking this back to the throwing aspect of his game, right? The most important things, things about his arm, right? Last week I talked about Caleb Williams having that like little flick of the wrist throw. I don't think he has that at all. I think he's more of a wind up quarterback, although I don't think it's a wind up like DTR last year where it's going to be problematic. It is a little Justin Herberty. Like I, I kept hearing those comps to his game. I don't think it's a good reflection of a lot of his game, but from a throwing motion standpoint, I do see it. Um, and obviously Justin Herbert worked out to be a great quarterback so far. So that's a positive thing. Um, there was a really nice play against North Carolina, North Carolina State, where he scrambles left and throws a very, very accurate ball across his body into the end zone. Like there are things that he does that like, again, like they do jump out and you're like, wow, that was a great play. Like he did a really nice job on that. It just isn't abundant, right? He doesn't always play loose. Um the arm strength, right? It's there, but it's inconsistent, right? I think it's probably to your point, it's something that can be fixed with timing. It could probably be fixed with, I saw sometimes he's throwing off his back foot. Um, I think it's uh, kind of a, probably a mixture of, the, of those two things. It's something that's very fixable at the next level. Like that didn't concern me at all. I think his deep ball will be fi- be fine. I think touch, he does play with touch on his arm. He underthrows some of those passes, right? But he also can show that he could zip a ball in between three defenders when he needs to. So, like, again, like, the things that you want to see, the fundamental things are all there. It just wasn't as consistent as a guy like Stroud last year. Um, so that definitely stood out to me. Um, okay, let me take a break. What do you think of, like, his arm? Yeah, I, I thought the arm was good, not great. It's an NFL arm, but it's it's not it's not Caleb Williams. It's not Matthew Stafford. It's not a howitzer, and that's perfectly fine because it's not something that's going to hurt him in any way on Sundays. It's just not the wow arm that some people just, you know, when they see six, four, two they immediately think, Oh, this guy's got to have a cannon. Like, you know, Will Levis, like, no, he doesn't, he's not going to throw a fastball like Will Levis. Um, and that is not to at all compare anything else regarding, you know, regarding their games. I'm just throwing that out there as someone who's six, four, two and does in fact have a really strong arm. Um, so yeah, good, not great arm. What was interesting to me was that I wrote down congestion downfield doesn't bother him. It's congestion in the pocket, which goes to what you were mentioning about timing wise, right? Where um, just trust the timing a bit, you know, in that play and you will be fine. Yes, you're probably going to take a few more hits, but you will be overall in a, in a, you'll be perfectly fine. You'll be in a better place. And I think he just needs to trust that rhythm a bit more than he does. There are a lot of people who really study the the finer aspects of this position um, when it comes to footwork and such, right? One thing I kind of noted was I wonder if more play action would help get his his feet sort of in rhythm and like you say, get get out of that sort of that robotic and sometimes narrow base um, that he plays with. Um, this guy did not work out in the pros, obviously, but that is something I noticed with Christian Hackenberg when he was in college, for example, was that sometimes just 
running play action just so that his feet could get moving and in motion and in rhythm just made the timing of everything so much smoother and and just he played at a much better pace as a result i do wonder if that's something that could maybe uh help drake may in this instance as well because like we said it's not something bad right but you do kind of see it's it's when he's in in shotgun and he's kind of going through those progression and he's left to his his own uh volition so to speak right where he's like man i've been here quite a while it's time to go and no you don't you, like you're fine you're you take it easy you you can stand in there deliver the ball um i wrote down i think to sum that up needs to get more comfortable stepping up into uh, the face of pressure as opposed to stepping out uh, of the pocket in the face of pressure because the the rush lanes in the NFL, those rushers are much more disciplined when it comes to that. So you're not always going to have those escape routes that you do in the ACC um, you know, when, when you're playing against the Baltimore Ravens or something in, in the middle of November. So uh, I think that that's the main thing. A lot of it, I, I think what you were getting at is he doesn't have the the insane wow tools that just absolutely blow you away, but they're perfectly fine and probably better than fine. They're good. Um, but it's more so some of the finer aspects of the position that he has to clean up, um, starting from, from the ground up, literally, um, from just a bit more consistent with his footwork and such that can really sort of bring all of that together because what we see now is mostly good, some very good, but then you see some of those just, just inconsistencies or some missed plays that could be there as a result of some of that um, just just inconsistency down to down when it comes to his footwork and mechanics. Exactly. And I don't I don't see him as a game manager at all, right? Like that's not the kind of quarterback I see in him. Yet I don't see the big playability that I expected to see in a guy that had numbers like he has. I don't want to talk about the numbers yet, but I think that's a, a big reason why a lot of people were kind of saying that he deserves to be in the same breath as a Caleb Williams for that number one spot is because of the numbers that we'll get to. But when I watched the film, I don't, I don't think it added up the same way. And, you know, uh, I, I want to see, I wanted to see a lot more from him in terms of kind of maturity and what he was doing. Cause that's kind of what I, what I was hearing is this is like a very mature guy. that's going to step in and just be like automatic, a really strong arm, you know, like a, a rocket of an arm. And like, I, I just didn't see any of that. Um, I think what I saw is a guy that's capable of all of those things. And it's funny because like Justin Herbert four years ago, right? Like, again, I don't think they're really that comparable, but that's what I keep hearing. So I'm just going to go with it. Like, he stayed in school for his fourth year when he could have come out in his third and been the number one overall pick. I think it says a lot about what Justin was as kind of like knowing what he needed to improve on so that he could be the best NFL player that he could be. I'm going to just kind of go out on a limb here and say something that a lot of people probably would say it's stupid because he's going to go second overall and make a ton of money. But like if this kid stayed in school, I think a lot of those things, right? Like the timing, uh, throwing accurately in the, with his deep ball, um, playing in structure more, like those are all the things that come with experience, right? Like those are things that take time to develop. And I wish that this is a prospect that said, you know what, I'm not ready yet. Like I'm, I could be good enough to go and, and do well in the NFL and maybe be a good quarterback. But I, I do worry about a guy like this going to the wrong team and the situation's not great and he struggles because they don't, they're do not they not patient enough to give him the time and resources to be successful. I think that's with any prospect, right? You're going to have those concerns, but especially with a guy with only 
two years of starting experience in college. Um, one other thing I saw in film that I thought was kind of cool, he definitely has this little bit of quiet confidence to him where, you know, after some of those big runs when he's sliding and he makes a smart play, you know, he has a little bit of flash where he'll like, you know, point for the first down and do things like that. Like you can almost see like, he's like the the kid in, in class in, in gym class that like is really good in science and really good in math. And you think he's not that athletic. And then he shows up and it's like, Oh shoot. He just hit two home runs in wiffle ball. And it's like, all right, no, this kid can game. And he kind of like does like the shush around the bases because he like knows he's good, but nobody else like thinks it um, like he kind of has that to his game and I kind of like it. And I'll, I'll, I have a comp for it later. I'm not going to talk about it yet, but um, that's kind of in summary what I thought of the film. Yeah, and I think one thing I noticed before we even get back to some player comps too and 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 some of the more intangible things related to him was if you watch the very first game of 2023, so we had a new offensive coordinator heading into this season, I believe it was Chip Lindsey, um, who, was, who was hired uh, to call plays there at, at North Carolina. So week one, I noticed a lot of quick release. I think what you were saying right at the start of this, right? Get the ball out quick, uh, some wide receiver screens, uh, quick hitches, uh, things of that nature, just quick read the leverage and then everybody hitch and whoever's got the inside, you just take it, right? Um, and then later in the season is when you started to see more of, a, of an open and deeper playbook and we saw May progress uh, with those concepts and kind of grow as the playbook did, which to me was was very encouraging. So that tells me he's picking things up quickly, right? It's, um, you know, it just took maybe a bit of time to kind of get some familiarity with a new offense and such. But, you know, by by October onward, I mean, he's he's completely in command and is just running with it and the uh, not training wheels because this was an upper class quarterback, but the playbook is wide open, right? You, you can call whatever you want and he's, and he's got it. He's in command. So that, that is one thing that I was encouraged by um, that kind of, uh, you know, reassured me a little bit of, okay, I did see a lot of quick stuff right at first, but timing wise that, that kind of makes sense when you look at new offensive coordinator, um, you know, they're going to play things safe. I think they opened up against South Carolina. So that's, that's a game where you don't want to make a mistake just because, players are unfamiliar with the playbook, right? Not everyone's where they're supposed to be. The timing's not quite right. You have a big turnover. You lose a rivalry game like that. Nobody wants to open the season like that, right? So they kind of played it a little bit safe early on. Uh, it's not as if they had the ability to tinker with, you know, a, a, a pay game opponent, if you will, from a, from a lower end division and, 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 you know, progress from there. So I, I kind of understand the progression there and that, that was also a bit reassuring. So I don't know if you want me to go right into then some player comps because I think we all see it, right? Everybody watching this video, they do see the Justin Herbert comp and physically sure um, they look it uh, and there are some similarities, but I kind of had two other names that came to mind. Let's save it. And yeah, save it. Okay. Save, save it. it. Save it. Cause Easy. we have to do the numbers. Two other right? names, two other, two names. other names. Pause it there. Let's go into the numbers because we can't we, wait to get yelled at for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to yell at you. But the numbers, right? Let's go into the level of competition first. So, I, you know, being being where he was, watching some of the highlight tapes, it's like some of the plays are against Appalachian State. They're against Campbell. They're against some of these, like, lesser teams, Syracuse. But he does play South Carolina, does play Clemson. So I can't really knock him too much. But I would say that I think yeah, some of his success, right, this year those weren't really the best teams. Like, I think that the level of competition this year was a little – below average for 
talking about the top prospect and how well he did with the numbers. But again, people were excited about him. And I think making a lot of the comps, making a lot of the conversation against him, against Caleb Williams, because of the numbers, he was number one in big time throw rate with 34, which is insane. But he only had 10 turnover worthy plays, which is a really solid number. It's less than Caleb Williams. And it's actually down from last year, which was 16. So again, another very positive thing. You know, he's not a highly turnover prone player. His 11 average depth of target is very good. And it was also consistent for all three years. It was around, it was over 10 and a half all three years, which is extremely solid. Again, 11, perfectly acceptable. It's what you want. And then uh, his time to throw 2.79. That's what you were talking about before watching the film. You see him try to get the ball out of his hand really fast. He's hitting his first read a lot. There's some screenplays in there. Um, so you, you kind of see that in his tape. And I think, Part of the reason it's so low is because he's not really going to his second and third reads as often as I would like. So I actually think that that number isn't a perfect representation of a player like Tua who is actually getting the ball out of his hand in 2.5 seconds because he's going one, two, three, and the ball's getting out. I don't know if that's really the strength that that number suggests. suggests. Then pressure to sack rate 20%, which is actually very high. So um, you kind of talked about that, right? His, his, his panic button, it's not necessarily panic, but he should be stepping into the pocket, not necessarily trying to escape into pressure and getting himself into a bad situation. Um, hopefully that's something that again, NFL coaching will be able to get out of him, but it's something that with experience in college would have probably been fixed by itself. Um, and then the other thing, just two year starter. So those are the numbers. Anything that you want to add before we jump into some of the the, the people aspects of his game and, and player comps? Those all check out. Um, yeah, n- nothing really there surprised me or jumps out. I think I think a lot of that is where, as you hear the Christmas carol behind me, the the, the, the clock. I don't know, it's the top of the hour. Um, just just enjoy enjoy the vibes. Um, I think a lot of people see that, right? Okay, not as many turnover worthy type throws. Still a lot of big time throws. And by and large, the ball is out quickly. So this is someone who is, quote unquote, safer than a Caleb Williams. Uh, and so if if that is the takeaway, and if you're looking at it through that lens, the numbers do tend to, in my opinion, lie just a bit. Because when you do dig deeper, I do think processing-wise, I think Caleb Williams is the quicker processor. At first blush, he doesn't seem it, but when you study, he is actually the more composed player and is actually less prone to immediately hitting the escape button and trying to make something happen. He he gets through all four, if you will, before turning on hero mode, whereas uh, Drake May almost has this, this subtle instinct to, okay, one, two, okay, time to make something happen, and then if oh, there is something downfield a little bit or there's something uh, available to me. Now I, I'll reset and throw uh, because, again, his feet move a little bit faster than than his eyes sometimes, and that's what kind of gets him into a little bit of trouble. So if, if, that's, if, if you're just looking at the numbers and kind of taking away from that, oh, still high upside but you know lower risk type of player from Drake May, then they are, they are being a little bit deceptive. Yeah, for sure. Okay, give me your comps. I'm ready for them. So the first comp, and, and it was, I can't take full credit for it because, I mean, I because 
he said this before the start of the season, actually, but Daniel Jeremiah said Carson Palmer. And to me, I said that makes sense from the waist up. I think he's a little more nimble than Carson was um, as an athlete and such. And so I get I get that from from the Carson standpoint. I think Carson uh, Palmer, I think, had a strong arm that people even give him credit for. I think I think he had a very strong arm and and may might be a little touch touch behind that. But still, by and large, fine. I kind of like the comparison physically there. And then also, this is the one that people will freak out about, but. I kind of saw Al, a young Alex Smith, like just this 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 nimble player who is fine making things happen with his feet, good size, can move around, sometimes tries to escape too quickly, but is by and large successful when when he does kind of turn on his his you know his mobility mode and try to make something happen with his legs, um, and is still a pretty solid processor by and large, you know, just speaking overall, obviously. I think most people remember the kind of check down Alex Smith late in his career after you know his stint with the 49ers didn't work out and prior to his year with uh, Andy Reid where he was pretty much a top of the league basically uh, among all quarterbacks when it came to just playmaking ability. Um, but in between there was a pretty solid athlete, a nimble player who probably played it a bit safer than Drake May does, right? But a lot of those same traits and some of that propensity to try to escape too quick before kind of catching yourself in the pocket um, was there. And I think they share that that same type of uh, DNA. So doesn't mean I think he's going to be a check down Charlie in the league who plays for 14 years with an average depth of target of like five. I'm not saying that uh, or yards per attempt of five, but I'm just saying that there are some traits there from Alex Smith. And I mean that in a very positive way. So interesting. Cause like you always say, I'm not the comp guy. I'm not the comp guy, but like <laughs> you're here, dude, you're with us. You're with us. Um, it's funny also because I, 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 see what you're saying, but I went in a definitely a different direction with my comp because I think that his athletic ability is slightly overrated on the film. I don't think it's as smooth as some of the guys that you like Alex Smith. Um, but we also kind of picked players in the team, same time frame. And um, what I'm hearing just being a New York guy is like Giants fans are really excited about Drake May. He reminds me so much of Eli Manning. It's insane. And I think Eli people Manning will has hear cement that. feet. <laughs> I, I think people will hear that and go, how could you compare him to a Hall of Famer? And no offense, Giants a fans, what? but like a Hall of Famer. But like uh, you take away you take away the Super Bowls, right? And you're like, that's that's the comparable quarterback that I want to talk about real quick. Because I said I think he's a little robotic in his drop back. He does not look super smooth when he's when he's in the pocket. He's a little bit heavy with like his his upper body. Like if you look at his build, it's like he almost looks like he's wearing semi big shoulder pads, but he's got these like kind of skinny legs and it's a little robotic and it's like that's Eli Manning. Like that is Eli. Also, you talk about a guy that like mentally is very ahead of the game, but physically probably is more towards an average NFL quarterback. And that was Eli too, right? Like Eli was the smartest guy on the field when he wasn't on the field with his brother. 
Um, but you know, physically he wasn't really this amazing specimen. I see a lot of that in Drake may. And also with Eli, I saw a quarterback that underthrew some passes sometimes, right? Like he, he wasn't automatically hitting every single throw that he tried to make. Like that wasn't Eli Manning. And there were years where Eli was in a very average NFL quarterback, right? But he also showed that he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and lead his team to a Super Bowl. And I see that in Drake may too. Like it's, it's weird because it's more about just like it's it's not just about his game it's about like how i kind of saw his persona like it was very eli right like smart processor misses some throws but has the ability to do it but isn't like physically super gifted seems really smart the way he kind of lumbers through certain things but is like athletic at the same time and will like sneakily scramble but then also has this weird confidence about him where he'll like show off a little bit and it's like all of those things to me like like wow that was eli manning from 10 years ago. So it was like, it, it's a comp that I didn't expect myself to make, but it made it very obvious to me why a lot of Giants fans probably subconsciously like Drake May because they watch him and they go like, a lot of those things are very Eli Manning. This is a very long trail of bait and I am not going to take it. We are not going to discuss Eli Manning on this podcast in this episode. <laughs> that is not going to happen. Um, but you got to you got to give me something else because from the lower half he's way more even if you think he's slightly robotic you got you got much more of an athlete than Eli Manning. You got to compare it to the times, right? Like yes, Eli was never like a mobile quarterback, but like Drake May in today's NFL is he a mobile quarterback in today's NFL compared to the other guys out there? Sure. What would he be the, the 20th most athletic quarterback out there? Eli no. was probably 25th, right? No, like, he was like, not. No, he was at not. the time. Eli was like at the 64th, time. and that's only because <laughs> like two teams carry three, and one of them was Drew Bledsoe, or something. Got to talk like, about the 32 starters, right? Like that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, I, I I see a lot of things there, but yeah, you could bash Eli if you want to. Uh, I'm not going to do it because I like Eli, but do what you need to do. I, I like him too. I, I I always watch ESPN two broadcasts of Monday Night Football instead because it, it's great, but. Um, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that here. We're not doing that here. Uh, I, I think big picture, I get what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. And a lot of that makes sense, but that's not Eli. Um, and, and I'm not going any further into that. Uh, I like it better than your Alex Smith comp. That one was, that one wasn't great. I got the Carson Palmer one. I was like, all right, Carson Palmer. But I, I think Carson Palmer was a better deep ball thrower. And that's kind of like, that's kind of why I shied away from that. Like Eli, I saw inconsistency in Eli. Palmer was a little bit more of a, a sure thing. I mean, Eli went number one overall, right? And that's like kind of like he was this incomplete quarterback with a Manning name, but he went number one overall because the intangibles were there, right? And like I, I see a lot of that. His last name was Manning. Um, to your point about eras, I do think part of that is – when it comes to Carson Palmer being a better deep ball player, it's because it wasn't quite as open as it is now. And I think when you not rein in, because that's the wrong language and, and that has very, at least in my opinion, negative connotations when it comes to uh, a young quarterback prospect, but when you kind of hone in rather on some of that in the pocket ability for Drake may and the timing, I think that can unlock similar deep ball ability to someone like a Carson Palmer. So in other words, the, the difference between them two coming out of college, right at their respective times, 
I think is more so a byproduct of the current game and, and, you know, just passing, passing concepts in 2023, as opposed to 2003, where it was a bit more, um, you know, you are going to stand in the pocket. You're not going to be quite as, you know, wide open with, with what you do as far as using every inch of the field horizontally and almost turning it somewhat into a basketball game. Um, so I think, I think that's where I, I can explain the difference when it comes to some deep ball ability between someone like Carson Palmer and Drake may when they were both prospects coming into the league. Um, so it's not necessarily a physical deficiency. I think that's just the long and short of it. It's not a physical deficiency just because he's not the 10 out of 10 um, arm that that you see from some other guys who, again, you just assume because they're 6'4", 230, that he's got to have it. Um, sure. He can still have, he can still make all the throws. He is capable of making all the throws. It's just that he has to be a bit more in rhythm than someone like a Caleb Williams when it comes to making those downfield throws because he doesn't have that flick of the wrist and it's just it's flying out of the hand as if we're in Denver and you know with with uh, the thin air where the ball just kind of flies right um, he has to put a bit more behind it but not in the sense of some of the uh, average or weaker armed quarterbacks in the league I don't want people to take that away from this we're doing this more so as a comparison to someone like Caleb and some of the stronger armed guys in the league agreed and I guess like the other thing I'll, you know, we should talk about really quick. Cause like when I see a quarterback like this, like this is not a Mike McDaniels quarterback. This isn't a, th- this guy's not going to be thrown into one of these like modern NFL offenses and just have like this instant success where, you know, he's, he's playing in this awesome system and he's going to make it look great to me. He's more of that like traditional quarterback. Like we both, it's weird that we both went like early two thousands quarterbacks because like I see that in his game and that's kind of the offense I see him playing in more of like a traditional NFL offense and having success there. But I will say in those offenses too, there's some bad years and there's some good years, right? Like you have like, and again, it's kind of like that Eli Manning thing. It's like, there are years where he's going to put it together and be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. But I think on the average, I I don't see that with him. And I guess like in summary too, for me, like this isn't more of a quarterback to me where I'm saying, I don't think he's a lock to be a great NFL football player. I think he's a lock to be average to slightly above average. And with that, like, I don't know if I'm going to watch the other guys in this draft and say Drake May is definitely number two. And I expected to say he's competing for number one. And I don't know because I haven't seen the other guys yet. I haven't really studied them. But like, I don't expect me at the end of the day to be like, this is a surefire lock for the number two quarterback in this draft, or at least he shouldn't be again, like without the processing. So, and I think that's again, because all of these modern NFL teams that are looking for these quarterbacks are looking for a quarterback that they could pair with the next Mike McDaniels, the next Sean McVay to have a juggernaut offense. And I don't see Drake may leading one of those offenses. I think that last statement is, is I'm in agreement with that. Uh, you say lock to be above average, slightly above average makes sense with the Eli Manning comp because in reality it was more months that he put together as opposed to years. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic on, on his take in the NFL, um, or his future prospects in the NFL rather, uh, than that, because I think maybe there's, I mean, you look around the league, maybe the NFL needs a little bit more 2006 style quarterbacks in the game, because right now there's, you look around, there's some poor quarterback play going on. Um, so you know, maybe, maybe he's a bit of a throwback in that regard. I do think one thing too, is this is a variable that 
I always maybe struggle the most with when it comes to putting a bow on these quarterback uh, evaluations, right? Is is the offense that they were in in college, and how much did that hold them back? I you know I, I tend to get a bit more comfortable with that year after year after year, right? But one of the reasons I wasn't sold on Justin Herbert coming in in hindsight was because that offense just did him absolutely no favors when he was at Oregon and it, it held him back. And so when studying that, I was like, what, what do I do with this? This is absolutely not. Why was everyone talking about this guy as the number one guy? Uh, no brainer heading into this, this past season. It just wasn't there on tape. It wasn't. Um, and then kind of looking back, it was, it was that offense. And so one thing to to always kind of consider in the back of my mind is how much of that is is the case with someone like Drake May or any of these quarterbacks that we're evaluating, right? And when they are in a pro system, um, we talk about all the other factors that go into their success. Um, but just being in in a in a pro system, how do they respond to that, and how do they fit uh, overall? Where maybe they get away from some of the college concepts that guys just like to run regardless of who's under center because it just makes sense for the college game due to the different geometry and such uh, with the hashes as compared to the NFL. That's always something in the back of my mind where I could see with someone like Drake May, where we talk about a lot of these things that he has to clean up that maybe he does in a pro system, in a pro environment. And that unlocks some of that, that maybe he's able to get away with, so to speak, just because of the offense he's in the competition he's playing and, and just the level of football he's at right now, as opposed to when he's in the pros. So that's always that sort of X factor in the back that could take someone that you see on tape. And like you mentioned, think, okay, this guy for sure is probably maybe the 14th quarterback in the league at any given time. That's kind of how I view him to where he gets into that system. And all of a sudden he's a top eight guy. That's that's just one thing where anybody who can sit here uh, on on YouTube or on a podcast or wherever and tell you for sure um, how how you know someone is going to respond to that change in environment, they're lying to you. Uh, you could have an idea, a hunch, and there are certainly guys who are much better at it than me, but uh, no one knows for sure. And I I I can see that as as a possibility here when I watch Drake May. Okay. And dude, 100%, if we could get 10 2006 quarterbacks into today's NFL, it would be a lot better of an NFL than it is right now. The only other thing I wanted to talk about is because I think you've convinced me that even if Justin Fields does really well this year, Caleb Williams is special enough that the Bears should take him, which means that, you know, that situation we said, right? Like it's possible to turn that situation into a good situation for Caleb Williams the two teams that right now are, are in position to draft Drake may are the new England Patriots and the New York giants, who I think will be our next week episode, right. Of fix the franchise. You're the GM, right? Like we're going to do that with those two teams. Those are not nearly as easy to fix situations in my mind as the Chicago bears. Right. So like, that's, I think, going into kind of what I'm talking about a little bit. And it's like I'm not judging him as a prospect and what I see on film on where he's going to go. But it is the, okay, are we going to see a few bad years and then one good year? Because these teams are really not in a great place and it's going to take them a long time to make it a great place. I don't necessarily know if I feel that way about the Giants, but there are things that are going to stop him from being successful immediately on the Giants. So I think that goes into it and something we probably need to discuss, whether we do that now or on the next podcast, I could go either way. But um, 
What do you think about that? One thing I will say that is in each of those teams' favor that's not in the Bears as of right now is that I trust the coaches. And I'm not talking about Bill Belichick, as a matter of fact. I'm talking about Bill O'Brien, and you could say whatever the hell you want. Bill O'Brien is good with quarterbacks. And so I trust someone like that who has a system and plan in place. Those are the two keywords we mentioned during the uh, Caleb Will or, or the Bears episode, rather, um, that are of utmost importance when you're looking for your franchise quarterback, right? Is a system and a plan. And I think uh, I for both Dable and at least offensively with Bill O'Brien, we'll see if he's still even there. Um, I think that's in place right now in both of those organizations. They have a ton of other problems that really need to to be resolved, and and they're pretty deep problems that we're not sure could get done in an offseason, right? But they at least have that going for them as we sit here today. We'll see how things shake out, but we could probably discuss that more on the next episode and, and leave that as a bit of a teaser. But at least they have that going for them. They have step one right now. Belichick retires or something, then who knows? The whole thing changes, right? But as of today, they at least have a coach and a plan in place for any quarterback that steps into that situation. So I'm thinking I'm thinking you're saying the same thing about the Giants and Brian Dable. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. I, I don't think, and I don't think they would get rid of him. I mean, he is still, he made the playoffs last year with honestly a terrible roster. Him and him and Saquon should have, you know, they, they should have, I don't know what awards you can get for just, you know, carrying someone on your back, but like they, they should have gotten that in 2022. So um, yeah, I, I think that that goes for both the the New England and for the New York Giants when it comes to plan and system in place. Cool. All right. Let's leave that as the teaser then. We'll talk about that next week. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't yet, give us a follow wherever, or excuse me, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF. And leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcasts. And thanks for tuning in. I'm a ghost.